0: D
1: twenty questions. Hello and welcome to D twenty questions, where you come if you want the D and the D.
0: Mm-hmm. I am Zach, the dummy thick dragon, and my name is Law, and I might convince you that I'm a U shaped harp, but I'm just a pathological liar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's
1: good, that's good, and uh, we are joined by Godiva, whose last name I do not know.
2: I go by Godiva Lee.
1: Oh, right. Okay. See, I, I think I saw Lee and I just kind of assumed that was just like a, an a, affected last name. A clothing name. brand. <laughs> and so I was like, I don't know if that's actually your name or if that's... It's a, a
2: middle name, but you know what? You could just forget that I have a last name. Done.
1: I, I prefer calling people by first name middle name, but nobody tells me their middle name. So
2: It sounds fun. good. It's a nice round name. Godiva
0: Lee. It does. It, it rings both of, of jeans and chocolate. It's there It's two go. of my favorite things. Really? So tell me a little bit about what you do.
2: A little bit about what I do. Mm-hmm. I, uh, in my free time, which is, I spend most of my time doing audio engineering for a variety of things. I host a couple of shows on KBO Portland. Uh, yeah, the Monday Sampler, and I also do a murder mystery D and D theater. Mm-hmm called uh the Aldridge Historical Society,
1: which I didn't even know about until we were outside and like you came in and then told me about this shit, which I'm super
0: excited about. So what is it exactly?
2: All right, so uh my buddy Max, who you guys interviewed. Max Hobbs,
0: not yet. He's not on yet. the list. He's on the list. He's, on, He's the list. on the
2: list. All right. So uh me and my buddy Max Hobbs, who's also my DM as well. Uh, we came up with this idea where he uh, knew of like this real haunted house that he lived in. He doesn't disclose where it is for the sake of privacy for the people who live there now. Uh, So we got this idea together where uh, the Monday Sampler, which I co-host on, wanted to uh, come up with a new radio theater. They do like classic. They find old ones that played like back in the 30s and the 40s. And they wanted a new one. They couldn't think of any that they wanted to play. And I was like, well, why don't we make a new one? So yeah, I was thinking, how do I mix? Uh, how do I mix Max's idea mm-hmm. of uh, doing some sort of like thing with this uh, old haunted house that he knew of, and how do I combine it with the radio theater? And so I was like, do you just want to write a campaign uh, centered around it? It could be like the characters are from D and D, mm-hmm. and we could just like place them in into this murder mystery. That's basically it. Yeah. And so we got the group together. I wanted to perform in it, but as you guys know. Um, being active in a game of D and D can usually be challenging when you're trying to watch people's levels at the same time. I so am
1: well, too aware.
2: <laughs> then we only already had like six people playing as oh, well, yeah. so yeah. it's like.
0: And you've got the full like Kabu Studio thing, so you've got like a, just a myriad of knobs and buttons in front of you at any
1: time. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm barely I'm I'm barely able to handle this situation, and it's just this little baby Porta Studio. So what am I going to do with that? Right. Um. <laughs> so many things. So so many things. It sounds like. You got like a lot of shit going on <laughs> yeah
2: i'm also recording a lot of panels for uh rose city as well rose city comic con yeah
1: nice 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 anybody in, in particular we should be excited about
2: uh orcs 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 i'm yeah. gonna be helping out yeah that's oh one of them shit, oh the, shit. Old, the old
0: boomerang plug for one of us <laughs> <laughs> not for me
2: and then as well as being active in the Z scene in portland i also uh help run the star trek week which is yep. the week before Rose City Comic Con is the anniversary for when Star Trek first aired on TV. And so we take that weekend all the way up until the weekend of Rose City and uh, combine them basically into like a week-long event of just celebrating Star Trek.
0: And just by proximity, (laughs) I'm getting almost like pulled into it through Christian because he's coming to me for like pun ideas. He's trying to do this thing with at the the wrestling federation so thing that's in town he wants them to do a star trek themed wrestling event for the night and he had me come up with a bunch of star trek themed wrestling moves and characters like uh dwayne, dwayne dwayne the spock johnson um, Th-
1: that might be a bit of a challenge though because dwayne the rock johnson did in fact play
0: a character who was
1: specifically a wrestler in deep space nine or right. not deep space nine excuse me voyager
0: but that's one of them there's the su- against Seven the, of nine. the Suluplex. <laughs> uh, so good, bones breaker yeah yeah um there were there were some other ones but that's kind of the direction it was going this is coming to me for, and it's going to be i wanted it to be called star trekked but it's like w-r-e-c-k-s or uh, not the s at the end but star trekked like wrecked <laughs> i gotcha yeah. I or it gotcha. could be
2: like get trekked yeah like maybe. that'd be the
0: tagline yeah. or like boldly throwing where no man's going oh. gone <laughs> like something like that uh, I'm, I, I'm not even I'm not even a Star Trek kid like it was never my show I've watched a lot of like next generation stuff because my dad did but it was never it was never my genre like I appreciate it I love the writing and stuff but it's like I never got sucked in
1: yeah so I feel bad I about it I did I know I know I, I got sucked deep I, I got sucked in deep into both <laughs> i sucked I, got, I sucked so deep <laughs> learning
2: so much about everyone
1: <laughs> so I, I got sucked deep into both uh wrestling and star trek at the same time mm. so that was my whole childhood so nice
0: all of my friends were much more it there's a lot of osmosis in my life of the uh, uh, specific and jones. wrestling yeah yeah chris rock and sure. 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 i also uh, have a classic which love. had william shatner in it well, it, did what it did oh shit yeah. what did uh osmosis jones dude he played, he played the mayor
2: oh my god that yeah
0: <laughs> yeah no he Jesus. was a great mayor uh he tried to he tried to kill <laughs> frank the shatter was a great mayor i know way too much about osmosis jones
2: <laughs> it was a great movie
0: he was also the mayor in the part uh in cloudy with a chance of meatballs i think oh, oh. no that was that was a uh, that was a uh, ash from evil dead i think how do you know that a cartoon.
1: <laughs> also, how did you not know the name Bruce Campbell? I, like I said, I lock up with
0: memory recall and names. And, uh, I love it. Definitely know Bruce Campbell. So, okay, cool. So, so, so ignore everything I said for the past thirty seconds because one of it's backwards.
1: Yeah. So this is all actually kind of vaguely, if if so loosely related. Uh, we are here talking mostly about Dungeons and Dragons and media, and I guess broadcasting and things like mm-hmm. that. Like how I mean, we we're we're yeah. particularly well suited to talking about
0: this. I think. Yeah, communicating D and D through different channels of media. Um, yeah. But our, our first question that we ask all of our guests is, what is your first experience with tabletop role-playing?
2: Um, it would be D&D, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I traveled a lot uh, growing up kind of for anxiety almost, uh, just like trying to find a spot to live, this economy, what can you do? Like nobody pays you good enough, right? <laughs> D&D
0: and, in this economy? <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Who can afford the character sheets?
2: <laughs> But um, I landed finally in Portland. I was going to school for welding at the time. And a friend from Astoria was like, well, I've got a buddy in Portland. Why don't you try to meet up with her? And she was really nice. And she was like, well, if you want to meet more people, um, we are starting a D&D group. And I kind of got sucked into it through that. Uh, it had a lot of people and I think it had seven players in it. And it was right when school was starting too. So mm. nobody could stick to a certain schedule. So I think we got like nobody. Th- three nights where we all played together. And then after that, it was just... And uh, then I met Max through another mutual friend. And he brought me into his group, and I've kind of been addicted ever since. I mean, Max is a great DM, so. He's very
0: fun. Yeah. He's he's very high energy. Mm -hmm. So I have a a warm-up question to kind of get the ball rolling on this whole D&D media thing now that we're 30 minutes (laughs) in or something. I'm not even kidding.
1: we're like 15 minutes.
0: Um, How do most people experience D&D and media? Like, what do you think are the most popular forms of current, like, consumption of D&D as, like, an entertainment franchise, like... What are, what's out there? What are your preferences? Uh, well,
2: yeah. I think, isn't it the reason that it's gotten so big over the past, I don't know, like five or so years is from mostly podcasts and stuff like that? Like there's, And streaming. Um, yeah. What are the, the, how do you pronounce it? McElroy Brothers? Yeah, the McElroy. McElroy McElroy's. The Adventure Zone. Yeah, yeah. Those guys made it really
0: them and uh, there's a lot with uh critical roles also acclaimed as a lot because it has a, probably the largest fan base to speak of doesn't
2: dan um, Harmon have one that he animates as well
0: yeah. briefly Harmon quest
1: and that ended i believe with uh seesaw seesaw seesaw
0: did two seasons of it and he also used to do it as part of his Harmon live thing that he went around and do like touring shows and then you would end each one with Harmon quest as a live D game back when he played sharpie butts a lot as opposed to <laughs> his other character which was in the show uh, fondue um, okay yeah sharpie butts a lot um so it, 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 that's actually an interesting subject, the idea of how
1: D&D is dispersed through media. Because, yeah, you're right. I mean, Twitches and, and, and podcasts are a big part of it now. Mm-hmm. But I feel like another really big part of it is jokes. Mm-hmm. People make fun of D&D. D&D yeah. is a joke. You, if you say, oh, you know, I'm just going to go home and play some Dungeons & Dragons, everybody's like, ha, 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 he's probably joking. And you're like,
0: Nope. It's been around for long enough and used in so many different ways by so many people that it is just a treasure trove of humor. I almost made a full lucrative career out of just making memes <laughs> based on D&D. <laughs> they are out there. Um, they're constantly regenerating, and uh, so many people get them. It's almost like the, the, the widest range of inside jokes out there. Yeah,
2: You know what I found really interesting, too, is uh, when I was going to school, I had a discussion because I was just getting into D&D mm-hmm. when I was still in welding school, and one of the gals that i was talking to she was a little bit older and she was saying the reason it sounds fun but the reason she never got into it back in like the late 70s is because there was this image of like Satanism was yeah. becoming this big scare in the seventies, and Dungeons oh, yeah. and Dragons are two words that are very satanic. We,
0: we've talked a little bit on the show about the Satanic Panic, which was very much late seventies, early eighties. Um,
2: she said if she tried to play D and D with her older brothers, her mom would have tried to beat the shit out of her. Mm-hmm, like, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I actually love that uh, the newest season of Stranger Things has a callback to the Satanic Panic. In just spoilers. A, it's, it's, no spoilers. It's, I'm kidding. That is so not. You, a you
0: recently made a joke about. St- yeah. No. Absolutely. Stranger Things spoilers. Oh, there's,
1: there's literally. It's just a. It's just a this one-off comment that Mm -hmm. you're like, "Ah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, But that's the thing. is like, I don't know a single person whose parent actually... (gasps) No, I did. You know me, too. No, Paul, my friend. I mean, apparently you, too. Um, But no, my friend Paul, way back in the day, I remember his mom like being very upset
0: when she found out that he was playing D&D with me. Mm -hmm. Holy shit, how did I forget about that? Yeah, I uh, was actually one of the kids who was... Uh, a lot of my childhood was spent like kind of handed off to my grandma because my parent, my my father worked a lot. But it was I was dropped off at youth group and things like that very much. Mm. Uh, I'm a, I'm a recovering Christian, as they say. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I remember getting to sit down, getting to uh, and watch the videos about what happens when you play D and D in the rabbit hole that it takes you down and how it will corrupt you. Um, and it just made me want to play even more. I mean, I already was at the time. I was neck deep at that point and just seeing that I was like I was so baffled as like a young kid I was like I was like nine and I was like getting told by these these church people that it's like we've made VHS tapes about how evil this is and I'm like what huh I'm, I'm so influenceable like everything is truth to me right now uh did not slow me down in the slightest though
2: good for you
0: that's that's kind of funny though that you talk about like the recovering
1: christian so yeah. and a lot of my friends are, are very um they were very edgy growing up mm-hmm. uh, my mom raised me an agnostic and I wanted to learn about Christianity. I, I sought it out. Why? Because it was such a massive part of culture. It was everywhere. The concept of Christ, the concept of God, the concept of all these things. It was, it was it was omnipresent. And so right around the age of like 12, 13 years old, I started getting really obsessed with the religion. I started talking to like rabbis and I started talking to like fucking, I started to like going to uh, a Catholic church uh, not too far from our house. I actually went to a Korean church with my friend who uh, the priest was not very good with the English, but he did his best to try and explain things to me. And I got very interested in it because I found it so fascinating fascinating and i wasn't trying to like subvert anything it wasn't about the demons and i wasn't like trying to learn the dark shit yeah. i was just fascinated mm. and it's it's such a bummer that i didn't get introduced to D D sooner because i feel like i could have recovered from christianity a lot faster if i'd been introduced to sure, D&D sure. In and, age.
0: It. and it's one thing to like seek it out and another thing just kind of like plopped off into it and be like you okay here close the gate you have fun yeah yeah
2: religion scared the shit out of me growing up i tell you what it's scary stuff yeah
0: it should be
1: it should it, yeah, One should be afraid of, dog, of dogmatic belief. Well, yes. I never
2: got taken to church growing up because uh, we lived in such a small town that uh, guys would find my mom, like they would see her at church and then mm. like figure out where she worked and like look her up in the phone book and stuff like that. That's horrifying. And, yeah, and so we never went and the times we were going to visit family, I would like go to the Sunday school where they all went to like you know, adult church and just the stuff that they would tell me of just like, Jesus is always watching you. And so Mm -hmm. that like those nights after I hear that I'm laying in bed and I'm just imagining like Jesus above me, like staring at me. And I'm like, oh my God, like trying to take a poop as a seven year old. And like, Jesus is just staring at you. And I'm like, man, come on.
1: When we moved to D21 Sides, I want you to ask me about the time I was kidnapped by a Christian cult.
2: What? Yep. Right. How it's can I wait so. for that?
1: Full-on actual kidnapped. Because we are not talking
0: about Christianity <laughs> right now. <laughs> We're, We're not. We are talking about media, and we are talking about How many times
2: can I derail the topic? Let's I, keep count.
0: I feel like as a ranking system, um, I feel like in a ranking system for like the media presence of D&D, like the, the top viewed stuff right now is probably like a streaming, like Twitch. Um, which probably immediately translates into YouTube because the nice thing about Twitch is you record the live game, you get the YouTube content, and you get the podcast content. Mm -hmm. So there's there's like an umbrella that spreads out of starting with Twitch and ending with both YouTube and podcasts. And then it kind of trickles down from there where there's like smaller YouTube series where it's not done live and it's just done once a week on YouTube or there's the podcasts that aren't doing it live. And it's just like,
1: well, it's like the hierarchy of theater. You know? yeah, yeah, you've got, you've got stage performances, you've mm-hmm. got film, you've got television, you've got uh, what is it? Uh,
0: mime. Mm-hmm.
1: And then you've yeah. got
0: ventriloquism. And it just, it just Juggling's in there somewhere. Juggling's in there somewhere. But it's like the difference between going to the orchestra or a live play and then marrying the two with, uh, like, a an opera, because no. um, you you have aspects of each in like a podcast. You don't get to see the live game. You don't get to watch the miniatures or like the personal poker faces and interaction. Right. But you get the, the clean audio bit. And then on YouTube, you get to experience it, but you don't have like the I got to see this live and interact with chat. Mm. Um, so it's like different fixes. Like di- like if you take a drug too much, it becomes like weaker and weaker, where you need the stronger version to get that fix. So okay,
1: so one of the biggest issues that I've been having is as we start to grow, which we are growing far faster than I expected. Um, we are going to have to start considering the possibility of live shows, um, mm-hmm. especially just like Portland local live shows. Um, and I'm not good at live shit. Like, I've got a mixer specifically for that, but I don't know what the fuck to do with audio. What and do you mean? Well, okay, I'm not a sound engineer. I am an amateur at best, and my editing is. Everybody's
2: okay. an amateur. <laughs> <laughs> just Google the problem, find a solution, yeah. just fake it. You can fix it in editing.
1: Well, we did just cut my question off at the legs. I was going to say, so what do you know personally about <laughs> running live shows for, for audio, especially for something like D&D, where you have a lot of people talking over each other or through each other, and where it's, a lot, where it's like a hierarchy. You've got the DM, which has the most important voice, and then you have other people from there.
2: Uh, a lot of editing. <laughs> well you can't edit live. I mean Oh not live, no. Yeah. Okay. So that's something I'm super curious about too because like I do record the um D Mystery Theater and it's like I said, it's not live, but I feel like I've trained them to a certain point because we've had three separate sit downs uh with each other and it's I don't know, a learning experience. Like the DM Max is very loud, very vocal. His voice Wait, can like Max
1: Hobbs is loud?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a he's a loud person. Yeah, he's a little. I'm loud. actually
1: sometimes I'm actually kind of worried that we might pick him up on the mics, right across the entire scene. Yeah. <laughs> just from wherever he is. Right now. Just <laughs> from wherever he is, right now.
2: If everybody's just hushed for a second, I think we can hear him in the distance <laughs> at this moment. <laughs> but yeah, uh, just figuring out like uh, especially cueing people as well that's a big thing too of just like you almost need an orchestrator Mm. at a certain point which i was saying a little earlier it was just like there was so much to do audio wise to where you need to almost like have somebody off to the side who can be like you need to do this or, like, you need to relax more and get more in your character or, you know,
1: so... Well, and that's an interesting thought. Like, I mean, do you do rehearsals? I mean, so... Well, you can. So with Legal well, Ultima- <laughs> <So with League laughs> Ultimate Questing, we did a lot of episodes before we finally decided to have a fucking sit-down where we're like, look, guys, your discipline is a-, a dog shit and we need to fix this. And after, literally, like, the moment after we did that where we sat down and we're like, okay, so your biggest issue is this, you know, it's like a cadence problem. So, for example... One thing that a lot of people have an issue with is if you don't have a firm thought in mind and you don't know how you want to end that thought, the end of your sentence starts to trail downward. The volume starts to drop. Everything starts to beater out. And then it's kind of like, "Uh, you know, uh, you know? Yeah. And you finish it with something like, you know, or you're right, rather than actually finishing on an important point. And so like pointing out things like that to people or pointing out that like, you know, you need to uh, remember
0: that you have to introduce your character when you meet people. Yeah. Yep. Or reminding people to say things in the game as their character and not as the player. Right. Interacting with people being like, I wonder how, the, what's the money system like in this town? No, will be like, in your character, ask one of these fucking peasants how the money system in this town works.
1: Because <laughs> what sounds better when somebody turns to a GM and says, "How? what's the money here? Or somebody walks up to the <clears> guy <throat> and he's like, I'm trying to understand the idea of these uh, ridiculous uh, coins you have. What is this one square?
0: tell me what's going on. Right. Yeah. You can just there's then it's a fun interaction between two different distinct characters mm-hmm. and world lore at the same time. Exactly.
2: I think uh one of my favorite things about uh, the Aldridge Historical Society was that half of the players had never played D&D before.
1: Nice.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: they were all actors. And so uh we had Max explaining the DM Max mm-hmm. explaining the rules as we went and it was like if you have a question By all means, just pause and ask and I'll edit that out. But it was mostly just once they got into it, once they started understanding, like, the basic rules, mm. it was mostly a thing of just, like, they are their characters because they know t- to act. And that's one of the reasons
1: why I prefer asking in character, because mm-hmm. you don't have to cut it out. Yeah. Not only do you not have to cut it out, it adds content. Suddenly everything's happening. In this... hey. And so imagine you got, like, three or four people talking about, like, the currency in a town. And that's when the GM goes, I was going to introduce this fucking event anyway. Mm-hmm. Suddenly the event crashes through their conversation. You hear an explosion outside. The Dragonborn busts through the door. Covered in blood, and he's like, "Oh God, the zombies are here!" Or something happens as a consequence of what's happening. You're just right.
0: spoiling chapter nine at this point. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know what blows my fucking mind is how many professional actors have gone so far in both their lives and careers without playing D D Like, it's like being a chef and being like, you know what? I've never actually barbecued before. It's like there's a whole realm of, like, exactly what you're doing in a very specific way that you need to dive in on. All my friends that,
1: like, way before I started doing podcasting, all my friends who do acting, I'm like, you should be doing D&D. And they're like, really? And I'm like, it's the greatest thing in the world for an an actor to learn how to improvise and be engaged and learn how to be dramatic in a way that's appealing to a small crowd. Mm Because, you know, it's like. It's something that I feel like a lot of people don't get is that when you're when you're playing D&D, you're performing. Whether you're performing for 20 people or 20,000 people, you're performing for others. And so when I get people into a room, to me, it's about trying to perform for that person who's right in front of me. Mm-hmm. But that, that translates so well onto the stage. When you learn how to engage in a person in this personal way in a small enclosed space and then you behave exactly that same way on a stage they feel that close that closeness
0: yeah it's becoming the character and by making the choices that they would make that have nothing to do with the script of the story at the last minute you have to decide whether or not you would rather save this person or this person it's like you're putting yourself into the perspective of this character and they are you Mm -hmm. and that'll change how you make all your future decisions but that is a super good lead into my next question is uh, with the whole spectrum of D as a performance what are the things that come up that are very distinctly different when putting out D as a production as an entertainment system versus a home game where you're sitting down with your friends and and telling the story in a room without timelines without systems in place um what are some of the major things that are like that people might not know about they don't do podcasts or live shows or things like that that they listen to they'd be like because this is entertainment what's the what's the gap
2: yeah um just from what I noticed, it's the way that uh, the DM interacts with the players. Um, sure. When you're doing a live production, the DM almost has to, or not a live production or a recorded production, yeah. uh, the DM has to treat the listener like they are the person who is playing. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also need to be aware of which player is present as well. Because when you're actually playing the game, uh, you could just point to somebody and be like, You Mm -hmm. are dealing with this. But Mm -hmm. the people listening at home can't see that. I just pointed at law saying you are about to do this.
1: One of the best recommendations I've seen, and I found this online from an anonymous user. um, If you're going to be podcasting, the best thing you can do, and I hope this isn't offensive to anybody, is pretend that there is somebody in the room who is blind. They're they're present. They're in the game. They're watching what's happening, but they can't see it. Mm -hmm. And so you have to make sure that you are aware of the fact that there's somebody with you right now that doesn't see it visually that you now have to create a way to facilitate that. And the best part is what sometimes people get really good at it. And they can make it so that you don't need to say names. You don't need to say, okay, so you, Zach, what are you doing? Instead, you can say, so what's your action? And then make
0: sure that that person's voice is distinct and clear enough and and, and unique so that it sounds natural right in the podcast format like I don't want to be one of those kind of like gatekeepers in the D&D realm where it's like you shouldn't play if you can't do like fun character voices and stuff because it's not true you can have some of the best games with just your own normal voice but in a thing like an audio format it's really important to be able to distinguish who's talking when and having character voices is a really clear flagship for that I think one of the mistakes a lot of people make when they think of character voices is they think accents Mm -hmm.
1: and they think like like uh, affected traits. So it's like, okay, I need to have vocal fry or I need to have a growl or have whatever. And it's like, honestly, the difference between this and this speaking with a clarity, speaking with intention, speaking Mm -hmm. with clear diction it's the same exact
0: voice, but suddenly I sound completely different. Right, like like even the character like Maven doesn't have a character voice. He just he just kind of has a very deep and respectful, thoughtful way of talking with a lot of bass. Exactly, and I, that could sound like some guy you meet at like a like a philosophy convention. Like it's just a dude <laughs> philosophy <laughs> convention. Is that a thing? I'm Please the... tell
1: me there are Portland philosophy
0: conventions. <coughs> if, <laughs> if there was a place that did philosophy conventions, it's probably Portland. I'm actually talking. They're dentists. They're just really into flossing. They're <laughs> Just oh, the, the <laughs> philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and I know for me, like, as a DM, one of the main transitions I've had to make in putting out an entertainment version of D&D is the timing of everything. Like oh, I shit. specifically, there's no way I will ever get to run a full combat on Link of Ultimate Questing for what I usually do, because in my, like, normal games, I love, like, a good, crunchy, interesting, challenging two-and-a-half-hour battle.
2: California has philosophy conventions. Thank nice. you, California.
0: <laughs> or, yeah. What are they on, Oakland? <laughs> 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 Oakland philosophy conventions. <laughs> Uh, But no, that's my main thing is I have to learn a whole new degree of brevity. So this is actually probably the most challenging dungeon mastering that I've ever had to do for that reason.
1: I think we are rapidly approaching the point of development in League of Ultimate Questing where people Mm -hmm. will be able to have a full combat, but work enough role playing and events and action and cool shit into it that Mm -hmm. we don't feel like we're wasting a session. Sure, Mm -hmm. sure. And I would like that. I think we just need to figure out the details. I think we did. Yeah. I think I think the last couple of sessions, and unfortunately, whoever's listening to this right now, you're probably like... No spoilers here. You're like a full chapter or two behind. But there were moments where we had combats that were engaging and fun and exciting, and we were all, like, doing shit in character. And it's like, because everybody's oh, so yeah. lively, you don't feel like it's a wasted session just because it was all combat.
0: Right. I just... We, we haven't gotten to the point where I've done what I feel is like a full home game combat, which is fine. I, I've just learned ways to, like, wrap them up narratively.
1: Blessing and love to all of the... You've Fucking beautiful bastards playing League of Ultimate Questing. Sam, Michael, and Alante, you guys are getting so much better, so fast. I Every chapter
0: is better than last. It's great. <laughs> this is—we're is, just sucking our own dick right now, but it's getting really <laughs> good. <laughs> no, I mean, I've we, we're listened both... to the
2: last couple of episodes. It's really rocking. Like, Thank you. yeah,
0: and we're both like—we're two of the most like self-critical people out there. So, like, the learning that we need to promote our stuff because people have told us in mass troves that they like it. It's like, okay, people, people like you, our stuff. You this you is like happening. It. Jesus, what do we do with that? Well, what, what do you do when you hate you yourself? take it?
1: What do you do when you hate yourself and people like what you're doing? You eat. Take it. Take the eat compliment.
0: Eat, <laughs> eat food. Take it. Eat food. Eat a lot. So we do a thing here uh, that I'm still playing with called uh, Law's History Check, where I just kind of touch base on some kind of interesting fact throughout the history of D&D, whether it be, you know, uh, Gary Gygax or something more recent like the evo- evolution of SRD or whatever. So for this one, I just thought we'd look at some fun numbers to kind of get an idea about how D&D has reached the masses in in the uh, form of evolution in in the timeline. So Gen Con 1 happened in 1968. It had 96 attendees. This was before D&D was actually published as a module or a game or anything. In 2018, Gen Con had 61,424 attendees.
2: What <laughs> what is a scale of growth there? Who's I know, good I, at I almost
0: wanted to put in the Gen Con 2 because I remember yeah, it was a uh, a significant jumpy from there, but I feel like Gen Con one like happened in someone's like house. Like it was like it was a <laughs> literally just like word of mouth thing. Yeah. Um and there was also a Gen Con Zero that I didn't include, which is kind of like that. I think that one had like fifteen people or something. this
1: is such an interesting idea. Can I just say how excited I am about the concept of small scale cons. Yeah. Hundred tickets oh, yeah. sold. It's some dude's house. You get together, people have small booths, little exciting, interesting little things, and you all just group together and go for it. I fucking
0: Ooh, love that, idea. that was my childhood. We had Miss Con in Missoula, which was a very small thing at like Ruby's Hotel or whatever, and it only ever had like a couple hundred people at most. But then, like for some reason, Missoula is this strange conduit of both like high fantasy and music, where like all these huge bands go in there. But like one of the last ones I got to go to in the time when I had moved back to Missoula for just a couple of years, um, the guest of honor was George R. R. Martin, oh. uh, and they had brought the Iron Throne from the first season <laughs> no. of the show oh, that people could just sit in as a prop. Um, and I have like photos of me like sitting in the Iron Throne because like, so cool. and I know one of the years I missed the guest of honor was Patrick Rothfuss, and there's oh. just like they it's this tiny thing but they get the biggest people involved. Yeah. So oh. let's talk about D and D music. What Ooh. kind of things can we bring as a uh, D and D players and entertainers in the world of D and D involving music? I
2: like 70s rock. That's just my jam. As well, you should. Yeah. Like, Led Zeppelin, you got that face on, like you're like, nah, not really. No, 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 no. All right. I'm
1: I'm actually thinking to myself, huh. Yeah. Let me think
2: about that. Especially like prog rock and stuff like that. Like, I know it's more like kind of sci-fi Western sounding prog rock, but still it's like... I don't know. It has that adventure sound you, to it.
1: I figured you were gonna talk like Zepp or some shit like that. Well, like, Zeppelin too. That I mean, was don't like, get me wrong.
2: The first campaign I ever played, the I didn't know that fights are like a thing that take forever, and they're like, all right, we're getting into a battle now, and I was like, all right, so I'm gonna play, you know, the Immigrant Song, and everyone's like, oh, no, 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 this is probably gonna go on for like 20 minutes, and I was you put like, put it on repeat for an hour. Put it on repeat. Yep.
0: If there was any
1: song that I could think of that would just play fine on repeat for an hour, I'd be, that Immigrant Song. Sure, yeah. It's fine. No, like I, I mean, I'm never going to be like oh great this song again like I fun. probably
0: would but I also love When I just uh, uh <laughs>
1: well, you're a music guy of course you're going to be like uh, mm, uh, mm. I could
0: talk oh, I could let's start our own podcast just for 70s rock because I'm there with you well um, is one of those
1: people who is deeply respectful of anybody else's personal tastes but quietly judging the shit <laughs> out of you because it's not like some obscure fucking Italian no, like I like love everything super fucking weird <laughs> fantasy metal band that he heard Luca Torelli Luca Torelli please tell us about Luca Torelli uh, the
0: lead guitarist Luca Torelli was raised by his father who was a very renowned Italian composer and he wasn't allowed to be in a rock band until he mastered the violin and the cello and the piano and so he learned to play electric guitar and then he started uh, Rhapsody which is now Rhapsody of Fire and did some Luca Torelli side projects. I'm kind of in love. One of the albums done by Rhapsody had Christopher Lee as a singer on it and the narrator and that was how he got into his band Charlemagne where he was the lead singer. Yeah. Uh, that, was his, that was his foray into fantasy rock was through Luca Torelli's Rhapsody
1: for those of you who don't know Christopher Lee was in a fucking metal band before he died yeah and he
0: was like in 90 it's called Charlemagne and also a lot of the places and themes in my world are named after things and members of luca to band like there was a village called really and the, the kingdom of leone is named after uh, fabio leone who's their lead singer no shit just because they have wonderful names they're like fabio leone alex tripoli uh luca to they're just like these delicious phonetic names
1: alex- that gave me goosebumps a little bit that you got that shit slipped in there and they had
0: a sci-fi rock opera they made called prophet of the last eclipse which is one of my favorite albums that i've based the major evil patron in my world on can i just say
1: prophet of the last you eclipse you look like you're
2: about to faint in Pro- excitement over prophet there of the
1: last eclipse is probably the coolest fucking name i've heard for anything ever. i know and it's the a major
0: theme for the, the the evil deity protagonist patron in my world well, i
1: love you to death thank you you're just the best <laughs> <laughs> okay no so okay on the note of music because I, yes. I didn't really get to say my thing here no please cryostasis Mm-hmm. Aces is a YouTube channel. They mostly just do strange ambient music. A lot of what they do is very, very appropriate for like your Cthulhonian kind of Lovecraftian, cosmicism kind mm-hmm. of darkness. Sure. It's a lot of chanting, a lot of like uh, slow rising sound. As, as o- over the course of like an hour, it goes from this like very low, quiet, consistent like uh, tones mm-hmm. and things like that, and slowly starts adopting a little bit of melody, some some non musical sounds similar to think uh, like Akira Yamaoka from from Silent Hill, sure. where you start having like grinding sounds or, like, thumps that don't quite sound like drums. Highly
0: influenced by, like, Goblin.
1: Oh, totally. Fucking Goblin. Oh, God, Goblin. Um, and then just... And, and it just kind of rises really well. And when I was running Death House, I, that's what I been was put on, mm-hmm. is I actually put on cryostasis and just forgot it was on completely yeah. until, like, an hour and a half later, and I was like, oh, shit, that's still playing, isn't it? And it just was so, like, immersive.
2: My big problem with, the like, recording for... I think the uh, mystery theater that I'm doing is like the first uh, like campaign that I'm actually recording. My biggest problem is like I'm not a DM. I'm a player. And like trying to figure out because like recordings are forever, dude. Like trying to figure (laughs) out music to put in the background is like the hardest decision to make.
1: The best suggestion I can make when you're talking about adding something after the fact is go for tones over melody. Mm. and just try to stick to something as uncomplicated as possible because melody so the way i understand it and keep in mind i am not a near i am am not a neurophysicist i am not a linguist and i am not by any stretch of the imagination a fucking uh musical theorist well
2: then buddy what are you
1: but what i will say is that in my mind melody and dialogue operate in the same frequency they're in the same spectrum. When you're hearing a melody and you're hearing dialogue, the two cannot coexist at the same time. The two are going to clash. Because to me, a melody is the language of, of, of music. It's how you convey the the, the, the excitement, the feeling, um, or, or how you convey the idea. And then bass and tones and things like that are how you convey the feelings. So when, when you're looking at music to add in underneath something, a melody can fuck everything up. I was actually worried. Uh, we recently just released Crystal Ball Part 1. And
0: for the first time, we put some some post-production music behind the dialogue.
1: Yes, and I, I wanted to put a nice kind of like light, lilting, um, like ballroom music kind of on. And I was fucking terrified the whole time I was sitting there listening to it because I was afraid that the melody was going to interfere with the dialogue and i'm still not sure how it played out. i
0: was more worried because it was the first time we did this thing yeah that might become like a thing because a lot of other D podcasts do like you know sword fighting sound effects and specific music and like if we dip our toe into this is there like coming back but it sounded really good for me like playing music during i mean we can get into like what you can use because it's copyright protected and stuff like that but like for home games just for fun mm-hmm. my big rule is like nothing with lyrics it doesn't matter if they're chanting in latin If there's people like talking in the song and like there's another story that's going on at this time, I, I, my personal thing is it throws off the vibe of what I'm going for. I always try to refine it to just instrumentals.
1: Yeah. One thing I love that's a way to circumvent that if you want a vocal sound but you don't want lyrics, fucking throat singing deep throat sinking and moaning where there's no actual words but it's still voices. Sure. And sometimes
0: sometimes when I have a a cued like track in place some like really dark sounding Latin chanting and singing will fit really well with like a summoning scene where like Mm -hmm. the character that the end cultist is bringing forth the great divine evil from beyond the realm. (laughs) Oh (laughs) that voice. And you have like this like building lilting. Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah. There's the time for that. But most of it Lyrics in general, even if they're in another language, throw me off completely.
1: But when you're playing a game, though, because oh, so here's the thing: I never grew up in that like old school D and D flavor. For mm-hmm. me, I started right into the era of 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 high theater, high drama, etc. And so you're talking about the idea of um, of like 70s rock and stuff like that, yeah. And, like you're bringing that concept in. Well, that's when, for
2: like just at home. Sure. Campaigns. Well,
1: and the face I was making was literally like. Could that work? If
0: I just blasted some good seventies rock, is that going to be fine? Like
2: for like an audio production? Not for oh, no. I'm just talking about yeah. like for when I'm playing my fucking.
0: Oh yeah, no, here, yeah. Here, here's my like my uh, entertainment reflection on that is like if you picture a scene like in a movie. If there's a scene, like a huge action scene where they start playing some kind of really nostalgic rock song, like in, let's say, like a Marvel Cinematic Universe mm-hmm. film, they start playing the Immigrant Song because Thor learned how to shoot lightning out of his butthole. It's <laughs> <Such> a good <laughs> fucking moment in that a movie. You no, know, and it was, and it was a great song choice, even though I, like, it had levels of tropiness to it that was kind of tied into what they were doing at the, the time. But the camp was perfect. Exactly. And, but the thing is, if they had started doing that, and while it was happening, the characters started talking to each other would have driven me fucking crazy oh, you you couldn't do it and they kind of lean into it for a minute there's like a talk on the bridge where they have to like cut the music down to nothing i'm like then why do it here like it's either dialogue or this visual presentation with the music
1: kind of unrelated kind of related so when i'm editing Often what I'm looking for, especially where music is concerned or where mm. a pattern is concerned, I'm looking for a moment that I can stop something on like a on a heavy note. Mm. Yes. So when I'm doing musical stuff, I'll look for like the moment when something turns from the bridge into whatever. Gotta yep. go
2: nuts for that kind of stuff.
1: When oh, you I look for that and totally. it's hard to find sometimes, but every once in a while you'll find that sweet spot where it just goes. And then you can start dialogue. Yeah. yeah. And in
0: all the commercials, like the ton mm-hmm. of them, because there's all this free audio online with like YouTube stuff. Yeah. I always, I never start at the beginning of the song. It's really hard to like find the point where it's like the perfect amount of lead in before they start talking that also ends with, sounds like the end of a commercial. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a very specific idea in their head of what the end of a commercial sounds like.
1: Uh, Legendary Acres ends on, it's, it's like, th- I know. it's a good measure or two after the point where you think it would end. And then it ends with this kind of like.
0: Yeah, a little, little, little fade-out piano. Just a little test. And little. sometimes, like, it's almost weird how statistically, like, sometimes the tracks just work out really well. Like, mm-hmm. even on accident, I'm like, okay, I'm going to cut it here, here it sounds. I'm like, oh, my God, this is perfect. Yeah. Like, this is the perfect lead-out for this intro.
1: But, so, one of the ones that I run into a lot is with, um, when we do our announcers, we have this underlying kind of, like, uh, NFL-style, like, mm-hmm. uh, background music that's yeah, playing.
2: almost like a cartoony commercial kind of. <laughs> exactly. It yeah. reminds me
0: of the orcs in World of Warcraft.
1: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Totally. So, when I'm doing that, though, I have this problem where I'm always trying to figure out where in the initial fanfare and where at the end fanfare mm-hmm. I want to put the ending in the beginning. And sometimes I'm worded too long. Sometimes I'm worded too short. And sometimes it's just right. I and love that. finding that sweet spot where it's like, um, you know, draw, having the dialogue you know, kind of fade out and then the music fade in as they kind of crossfade and it rises up into
0: the, that, that final point. It's, it's so hard to do. Right. Sometimes, but, yeah. Yeah you get the point where it's like a third of the full measure and you have to cut it out there and like Mm -hmm. you can hear it if you've heard the song like a hundred times like we have but like Mm -hmm. for the most part you wouldn't notice it but when it works out just right it's just like the perfectly cooked marshmallow on the s'more it's just delicious (laughs) my
2: favorite part about adding a tune into uh, a piece is like getting a tune that everybody knows really well Mm -hmm. and then doing exactly that I'll like get to that note where Mm -hmm. everybody wants to start singing along and just like dramatic fade and then intro into the next scene and it's just like you want more (laughs) <laughs>
0: right, you're using, you're using the buildup as yeah, the tonal cliffhanger. Exactly, Perfect. it's part
2: of the story too.
1: That's delicious. I'm about to bust open a steagle. You want a steagle?
2: I would love a steagle. Thank you.
0: We stegan hmm Cheers. Cheers. G and T's and <laughs> yeah. Hey, everybody. We just finished recording a full day of League of Ultimate Questing, and boy is my imagination tired. But I really wanted to take a minute to thank you all for listening to this episode of D20 Questions. Uh, we released our special interview with Keith Baker a week early last month, so it kind of threw off our schedule a little bit. Uh, so sorry there was kind of an extra week there without new episodes, but we should be back on track for our normal release schedule now. Episodes will come out on the first and third Wednesday of each month, and on all major podcast platforms. Uh, check out slapdashstudios.com if you haven't yet learned more about us. You can follow easy links to all of our social media accounts we're on twitter and instagram slap the dash and facebook at Slapdash studios and we'd love to interact with all of you and thanks for the support to all of our patrons uh, we can upgrade our recording gear and make more time for new episodes because of your guys support really means everything to us. And if you like D20 questions, you'll love the Patreon bonus content of D21 side, where all the guests you've heard us record with thus far kind of cut loose and joke around, free from the oppression of topics and logic and self-respect. They're a blast, and I hope you get a chance to check them out. Uh, Slapdash is going to be at Rose City Comic Con this year on Saturday at the Orcs 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 booth from 11 to noon uh, to interact with people and promote ourselves, and we'd be delighted to see you there. Now, this project is still pretty young, so if you enjoy D20 questions, all the history checks, the insight into game design, and the opinions of giant man babies, please tell your friends. Share the good word. I mean, honestly, it's the single best thing you can do for us. But seriously, thank you all again. Let's get back to the questions.
1: I think one of the reasons I'm most excited about this particular episode is because you have an understanding of music <laughs> and editing and audio and shit like that. And that's something that we haven't had a lot of so far. And it's right. It's like in my, in my experience getting into the podcasting world, I, that's been literally my whole life is just yeah. learning about how this shit fits together, how to make something sound good. Like, what do I do with this?
2: The biggest chunk that sticks out for me, like, I've been doing audio engineering, self-taught totally, just through radio stations like Odd Hours. For about 10 years. Mm. And um, it never stops getting frustrating. Editing the audio, but the (laughs) amount of joy when you're done, it just gets bigger and bigger, and it never stops getting bigger. Like,
1: there's a dopamine dump,
2: yeah. There seriously is when you see those bumps, and you can almost see the word fuck that you have to edit out. Like, you can see the shape of fuck in your (laughs) recording, and you're like, I got you, I don't even need to listen to you, bam! And then you like listen to it after you edit it. I was like, I knew there was a fuck there, I knew it.
1: Like, I have a friend, Tori, who is an absolute delight, and she has a degree in linguistics, Mm -hmm. and she was talking a while ago about how she learned. About waveforms and like how to look at a word and see what that word means in in that waveform, and like literally like I reached out to her recently. I'm like, why aren't you editing? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> you should be editing
2: because when you start getting paid to edit stuff, then you don't have creative control over the stuff that you're recording. Yep. And it's kind of yeah. When you uh, start to get paid for uh, audio editing, you can't really control the creative outflow. You have to start doing what other people want. How is that fun? It's like getting paid for something like this. If you guys started getting paid for this, mm-hmm. like, like on a big we enough are. basis well. to, you know, like on a big <laughs> enough basis to like live we're, off of we're it. We're busking
0: at this point. Yeah. We're busking. We're we literally busking.
2: Yeah. But if this could be your paycheck, like that would be great. And then you could do this as a career. But mm-hmm. like doing it as a career for somebody else is just like, pfft. that's yeah. the hope is to
0: yeah. do
1: this as a career. But I mean, it, that's the thing is, is uh, you mentioned that and I, I tried to get a couple of people to do some editing for League like of Ultimate Questing and they didn't do terribly. But they didn't meet my standards.
2: Well, it's your baby. You know exactly how you want it to sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And it doesn't matter if they did it perfectly or if they did it terribly. I'm always going to be like, that's. I would not have made that choice. Nope. <laughs> but here's the thing. And and I had people come to me and say, hey, I think you're being a little unreasonable or maybe you're being unfair, etc. But the first time I let Law do an edit of his own, he did just fine. There were no problems. There were maybe some things that I was like, I wouldn't do this or I would do that, etc. But I didn't hate it. I was like, this is great. This is no problem. And that's why whenever I'm like, I'm stressed out and I've been doing too much and I can't handle it, I pass the law and I'm like, he's
0: got it. Because we know the story. We're invested in the pacing and we're familiar with how it works. So I think there's just kind of a creative mind.
2: I have a question for both of you. What's your guys' favorite recorded moments in the show so far? There's a
0: moment at the end of chapter seven that's not out yet. It's not out yet. (laughs) And it left everyone at the table with chills that Mm. I still have. And we all got up and clapped.
1: Yeah. We okay. literally had a standing ovation.
2: Well, that's okay. That's a teaser to like everybody better stay tuned because there's a great moment coming sure, up. Sure. But from what, like any <clears throat> game, not even just from this, like any game that you've ever played, what's a moment that stuck out in your head of oh, like, see, we, oh, I love D&D. Our, our
0: final question is almost in this kind of vein. So I don't Beat know. Beat you to
2: we'll it. Know. We got a, we got oh, a
0: ways to go very, No, yeah. That's very uh, insightful. Um, there's so many. Yeah. Um, and I don't, like, I don't personally like the kind of stories that end with someone rolling an unexpected number. Like, that's not exactly sure. to me. It's like, no one was there. No one saw you roll a 20. It's like, sure, the odds were against you when you managed to pull it off by rolling a 20. I'm done with those stories. I've read too many. I'm, I'm very spoiled and saturated on them. So the ones that are more the intrinsic role play, just like the moment that would never happen unless it was that exact group of people at that exact time telling that exact story – and I have a, a game I play with my friends that I grew up with, like the people who we learned D and D together when we were nine and ten years old, um, that I still play with once in a while online, and we can get into these like for me, me and my one of my very best friends, Raker, who I love to the end of my life. Um, we've been playing D and D together so long that we, in character got into just like this like heated argument just like vicious stinging insults and just like as
2: characters or n- in as characters in okay. and there
0: was zero i mean i would i've never been mad at raker in my but life that's the best i know and like if anyone outside had been listening to it they would have been like i can't this is too much you guys are going way overboard we're like no this is just the story and the dm was just like frothing at the mouth with excitement because they know us
1: um my favorite moment I think was actually similarly it was an end that was orchestrated from the beginning and nobody knew it was coming mm. I was jamming and I'm not going to bore you with the details but suffice to say it was an alt world song of ice some fire game where everybody was going in these massive spread out directions everybody was all in the same group but secretly I had been having meetings with each and every one of them about their ulterior motives mind you this isn't like an evil campaign they're not sitting there trying to screw each other over in fact they all thought they were working towards the same motives but yeah. it just kept building where all of them kept doing things that the other person hated and it just kept rising and rising and rising and then there was this massive reveal at the end that completely threw everybody out of whack and then in one fell swoop the, the the dedicated fucking uh like house guard who'd been with this guy the main character forever turns and grabs him and restrains him from doing anything this other person completely breaks down and goes insane everybody in like literally like the span of 20 minutes in game Everyone goes insane, everybody falls apart, everybody turns against each other, and then the whole world turns on its head because of these decisions. And it was just this this soul-crushing experience. Also, it predicted the end of Game of Thrones, and I'm not going to go any further with that. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag spoilers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag spoilers. Yeah, there's just so many. I'm I I'm just gonna go with that one because it was recent and I don't like to dig too deep down that because I will I will get lost very easily.
1: But honestly, in luck, there have been countless occasions where I've been sitting there listening to it and I edit something in and I'm like, just this little, just this little touch. Yeah, so
0: good. There's been so many moments where, it, for me, recently, the one we just came out with, Crystal Ball Part One, is one of my favorite moments for DMing in the format of a performance aspect mm. as doing it for a live recording because there's a lot of all five characters are in different spots in this ballroom. And it's my job to make sure they're all active in what's going on. But I also have a list of like noted NPCs with personalities and things they need to talk to about each character and their interactions with these characters are dependent on whether or not they stay to help with the second part type of thing. And, uh, so i'm doing these camera cuts between all these characters and having to kind of seamlessly roll in from one extremely distinct character to another and all the pcs are doing so much interaction and good role-playing that i'm not even thinking about it i just
1: your work was unfucking believable. Yeah, it was, was one of my
0: good. favorite moments as a, as a performing dm like not necessarily a home dm but i think it worked really well as the communicating through podcast media like talking about camera cuts it's totally i love it when they talk about cutting and like a a fade out and then seeing a scene that the characters don't see kind of stuff. Oh, I just, I go nuts for that shit. Mm
2: -hmm. I'm having such an issue with like, not becoming okay because like i have all of this experience doing radio as hosts and stuff i'm mm. having such an issue trying not to like just start interviewing you guys of just like <laughs> okay well like what was your favorite this i mean or, it's kind like, of fun like I yeah it, but...
1: can i just say you're an excellent host you're an <laughs> excellent
2: you. podcast
0: host. like you should
1: be hosting podcasts
2: you're with <laughs> me godiva lee listening too <laughs> yeah i'm used to it
0: we'll, we'll pass the crown off yay absolutely our, our shitty crown <laughs> just, <laughs> just, i almost thought trying to think of a material the crown is made of and i got a
1: little Lost. It's made of fucking like Sculpey and and, and, and like gold. It's made of gin
0: soaked cucumbers. (laughs) Gin soaked cucumbers. Oh
1: man.
2: All right. A question I had for you guys is what your opinions are about DMs starting to charge, like the popular, the demand and the popularity for paid DMs.
0: It's a, a topic that we can talk about briefly, but unfortunately, we also just covered it in our last episode, and we oh, don't want to step on I our like toes too much. We touched on it. We touched on it. So my, my comparison was that I interacted with someone that was very offended by it because it meant that if people are starting to charge for it, then the bar is being raised very high to this point where like everyone expects DMS to have like all these like miniatures and voice acting based on like celebrities that do it, and they were like, well, it, it's ruining it for other people. And my comparison was like. That does that mean you don't go to restaurants anymore and like pay for professionally cooked food? Yeah. But you can still cook at home for your family. Like my thing, as I said, if I'm on the clock, I will run a very good professional game of D&D. If I'm on the clock, I will cook professional food. But I will still happily do either of those things for my friends and family in my free time without charging them.
1: But here is an angle to that that I think we don't we did not acknowledge. Mm -hmm.
0: That is the production angle.
1: Okay, because the fact is, (sighs) DMing is a performance. It is mm-hmm. a performance of an entire play with one person and a little bit of our audience participation. The thought here is that if you treat this like, like, well, being an actor. Mm-hmm. Or
2: artists in general.
1: Or artists in general. So often playing D&D is exposure. Mm-hmm. It's training and exposure. But the fact is there's a time in everybody's life when you can't work for fucking exposure anymore. We as GMs are doing how much goddamn work for per session if we're doing eight hours of work for three hours of play mm-hmm. you know what what point do you demand that you get paid for that work right so and like and even 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 beyond dming so look let's look at what we're doing we're making podcasts we've got a fair number of viewers it's growing fast we've got people who are willing to, to patronize and Do the Patreon thing.
0: (laughs) There are definitely a lot of people willing to patronize us. Thank
1: you, Patreon subscribers. You guys fucking rule. You're the goddamn best (laughs) thing in the world. Um, But at a certain point, you have to ask yourself, like, when is it right to start to ask for money? Mm -hmm. And that's a thought that's really scary for me because I was thinking about this in terms of D&D players. And not just players, but
0: characters. You're the good guy. You do work. Do you get paid? Like, here's my question. If your friend is a very talented painter would you pay them for a painting or would you expect them to give it to you for free because they're your friend? Well, I grew up with a, with an artist for a mom Mm -hmm. and watching her do amazing
1: work and get no appreciation and no payment for it was devastating. It made me afraid to pursue my own, my own businesses Mm -hmm. because of repeated failures.
2: Well, it's like what I brought up earlier of um, I like doing creative things like audio engineering for free. If I get to be in control of it, when you start getting Paid to do what other people want you to do. It's like um, you have to start uh, paying attention to what other people want. You have to start thinking about Mm -hmm. like production value. You have to think about just like a general outline of. There's a lot more thought that has to go into it as yeah. well. Like, if you're talented, if you have the means to do it, and if it comes natural to you, that's one thing. But you should still be getting paid to consider other people's.
0: Yeah. And sure. there's a talk I had with our, our good friend Dan Smith, who is one of the DMs at Orcs. He also does, like, a lot of escape room stuff. No, Dan, and does, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dan's a great guy. And we actually had a quick talk in the car about, like, the differences between getting paid to DM like we do and how that's different from, like, what we would do for free for our friends. And one of it, the things we talked about is... There's certain things you don't want to do for your players when they're actually paying to be there. And I don't mean you want to, like, put on baby gloves and walk on <laughs> eggshells so they don't have to have, like, a challenge. But there's, like, certain mechanics in D&D where you can take away player agency. Like, you can dominate them and make sure that they're not doing anything for, like, up to 20, 30 minutes. Of but you like don't want to happening. do that if they're paying You don't it. want to do that at orcs. You want you, want And it, that's just a DM thing. That doesn't mean you're not going to make it, like, challenging or things that they're gonna have to really think about or be worried about for their characters. but you're not taking away things like agency. You're not controlling their character in an overarching like home game, That's a beautiful narrative. That's a great part of the story and the player is usually still involved in some way. But at like a one sit down four hour session, you just can't do stuff like that. Like killing a character in the beginning, it means oh great, so we're like what are they just not gonna get their, <laughs> get their last three and a half hours of gameplay that they paid for? And that doesn't, I mean, that's the thing. I've only killed, like, one character at orcs, and it was literally in, like, the last round of combat. And it was very accidental, but it was great. It worked into the story.
1: So it's funny that you should mention something like that, because the thought that I had was, if you treat GMing similarly to the way you treat cooking, Mm -hmm. you do the same exact things. If If you run a kitchen... You can't be ready and available to do a thousand different things at once. You pre-prep a thousand things and then you're like, okay, we need onions. We've got onions. We need mm-hmm. this. We got this. You've got preset things that are exactly the way people expect them to be. So if somebody comes back to this restaurant a thousand times, they're going to have relatively the same experience. Like I, I, I talked to a lot of friends who, who like work to be a gm and a lot of the time what i see is they're like i just run the same module like three or four different fucking times for different people and it's not like that person's going to be offended that it wasn't a uniquely created experience for them they're going to have a great time and so it's like that sucks any cook will say it's much better when you get to decide what you're making but when you've got a menu you
0: got to stick to and nothing interesting or unique happens my, my analogy there is I can I can make my favorite recipe of, like, Coco Vaughn for my friends when they come over. And I can have the one person show up and be like, oh, I really don't like green onions. I'm like, I'm sorry. I finished it all with green onions. But if I'm a cook and at a restaurant someone's like, I'm not going to buy this if you throw in the green onions. So I have to just make the choice to not include that thing because this person in particular has a taste that they like. And I need their money because mm-hmm. I'm running a business. right And whether or not I judge them because they want a side of ranch with whatever they ordered it's you know you have to you have to accommodate the tastes if people are paying you sometimes
1: and that's the scary part about jamming is that we now have to suddenly consider the idea that if somebody is paying for the service
0: and they are disappointed what happens then so one of the final questions we like to ask people to kind of wrap up for the evening and find our ending flow is just to have you describe a recent uh, moment that happened in one of your tabletop experiences that just like really stuck out like it was just a really tasty moment for you
2: Mm, tasty moment um one of my favorite moments i think uh was i usually don't like uh fight scenes or like battles in games mm. that much it's just like you gotta wait your turn and it's kind of like it's drawn out and i want to interact with, my favorite thing about dnd is being able to like interact with people and like Role playing, basically. And so, like, when you got to wait your turn, especially if there's, like, more than four players and you're just sitting there. But we were doing a battle and I was zoning out because it was, like, at the very end of the fight. And I was, like, on my phone and just Mm -hmm. hanging out. And um, I think I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try and stab this centaur. And... (laughs) Uh, and they're like, okay, well, your skull's kind of crushed in, so what are you going to do? And I was like, I don't know. I'll just, like, go underneath them or something and try to be sneaky about it. And they're like, all right, well, go ahead and roll for it. And I rolled, like, stupid high. I think I rolled, like, a 23 or a 24 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they made, they made it, like, they kept making me roll because I kept rolling so high, and they're like, all right, well, now roll for this, roll for that. And the way they described it was, like, I go in and... Uh, one short sword gets stuck in the gut, and so I curve it around the nutsack and twirl around and <laughs> grab onto that, the centaur nutsack, and then I pull my way through by the junk and end up ripping the nutsack off in a way to where it also teabags me in the face at the same time, and in a puff of smoke, I come out victorious dead centaur gutted behind me with a nut sex sitting on top of my head well, in my hand if,
0: if you can end an encounter with horse balls on your gob yeah that's a pretty fucking good encounter. that was
2: a great game that was my favorite moment from like it was like two games ago
0: and so
1: another follow-up question that i love uh and and honestly like so far it's gotten a pretty good response i know i would
0: like to tease it but it's actually a great question it's like, such we a say cliche you say it's dumb but it's actually pretty fun it's cliche but yeah. dumb and
2: fun i love it
0: if you were to ascribe yourself a D&D
1: class and race, what would they be?
2: Well, I would have to go with my first character I ever created because everybody's first character is themselves, right? Sure. So, uh, yeah, uh, Rogue Forest Gnome.
1: Interesting.
2: Yeah, nice. a lot of people would say Goblin, but you know what? You can have some dirty forest gnomes.
1: Mm-hmm. I would say Half-Elf Bard. You think so? You're one of the few people that I would say deserves the half-elf trait.
2: Oh, God. half elves are, like, elves are so stuck up, though. No, half-elf. Half elf
1: stuck between two worlds constantly feeling like like the, the the terror of like human beings which are this 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 like world of a uh, variety and change mm-hmm. and and constant shifting and Then elves which are constantly bound to the earth the inconsistency between the two and then i can see it that they, emotional they seem
0: like the most like rebellious race yes like they be, being forced into two worlds uh, mm-hmm. makes them be a part of neither because like humans are all finality mm-hmm. and and experiencing things at a high rate as fast as you can because you have a timeline and elves are all you know the very specific, uh, like rituals and traditions. Mm-hmm.
2: I can dig it. Yeah, I came from like a, a scrungy ass background of like traveling a lot, not having a lot of money, and now I'm in this world where like I'm making really good money, and all my friends are like really well to do. Like their parents aren't divorced or anything. It's weird. <laughs> so like your... I can totally relate yeah. to that right now. Yeah.
0: One of my favorite things I heard recently was that uh, traditions are just peer pressure from dead people. <laughs>
2: and I love it. I love it. <laughs> oh my god
0: (laughs) that that Uh, speaks to the half elf to me very hung very highly that's
1: very good i like
0: that (laughs) shit okay
1: so this is a good time for us to do some uh to well before we do Mm. any housekeeping let's do one last thing so please lay
0: us a plug yeah give us your url social media things we need to know just Mm. give it just plug yourself
2: Uh, All right, so I'm Godiva Lee. You can mostly find me through KBOO.fm, which is a community radio station in Portland, Oregon. Uh,
0: The best radio station in Portland. Uh, A kaboo. Uh, uh,
2: Yeah, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, You can find me by my name, uh, Godiva Lee, on my profile. It will lead you to the Monday Sampler. It will lead you to my D&D murder mystery. I am also... um, An event organizer and I work for press as well for uh, Vancouver Star Trek Happy Hour, uh, which was created because Star Trek Las Vegas is the official convention for Star Trek. It's getting a little expensive. Uh, It's kind of shooting itself in the foot a little bit. Mm. Don't mean to talk shit, but it is Um, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And the everybody's favorite part of Star Trek Las Vegas, it seems, is going to the bar afterwards. And just being able to be a nerd talking about Star Trek and, you know, just hanging out. It's like everybody is just on fire, you know? Like Mm -hmm. nobody's telling them to shut up about their interests or anything like that. And everybody's just like having fun. So Vancouver Star Trek Happy Hour created Star Trek Week around Rose City to where it's a week-long event of just like... Bar crawls, burlesque shows, mm-hmm. uh, wrestling matches. Um, I only wish
1: this was around during the time when they used to have Klingon karaoke.
2: They still have Klingon karaoke. Where? I played plucky? air guitar she... with Garon and Martok. Where? It, it, it's Star Trek Las Vegas.
1: Oh, no, in Portland.
2: Oh, in Portland. We, Jesus. They used, to
1: have, they used to have a Klingon really? karaoke here in Portland, and then they stopped doing it at the time. Did it nowhere.
2: have JG and Bob doing it? I don't know.
0: I don't know. I was too young. I'm learning so much about a culture that I am not engrossed in. I'm I'm so sorry. No, no, I'm I'm stoked. I'm
1: I'm eating this Um, up. My mom had like 10 different friends who were all at Klingon Karaoke and she would all the time go and I was just like, I was like, I was like 16 and I'm like, I want to go to Klingon Karaoke.
2: The first Star Trek convention that I ever went to, um, I went to Klingon Karaoke and my friends had all gone to bed and I was almost. I went to Klingon Karaoke. I was almost blackout drunk. I was almost, but not quite. And I'm so happy because I remember I walked in and like i just like kind of sit down in the front row with my beer or whatever i I think it was a blue drink of some kind Mm -hmm. and um the one of the klingon actors uh i think it was the guy that had one eye martok i think no garam and he had full makeup on full like star trek theatrical outfit except it got too hot with his jacket on so he had taken his jacket off and so his pants his uh costume pants were up to like his boobies his old man oh, boobies yes. and then he had a guns and roses cut off t-shirt underneath his jacket Amazing. and he was rocking out to paradise city with his uh with his girlfriend and his girlfriend's friend on each leg that was great oh um, wow yeah anyway wow. And, that's a moment anyway so vancouver star trek happy hour basically just <laughs> recreates the drinking experience of Star Trek Las Vegas without having to pay for a ticket and pay for the convention.
0: That's beautiful. Awesome. Yeah. I love We're, it. We are Slapdash Studios. This is D20 Questions. We come out every other Wednesday, first and third of the month. Uh, of the first, first, and first and third month. specifically. Right. If you are a Patreon member, you get access to D21 side where we kind of unwind with our guests. We have some, some drinks and we just talk about whatever. It's really funny. So please check that on our Patreon. Visit us at slapdashstudios.com. There are very easy links to both our Patreon, all of our social media, including Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please interact with us on those. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to talk to us about advertising, reach out to us at admin at slapdashstudios.com. And of course, check out the League of Ultimate Questing.
1: No, that's absolutely it. Way to way to just way to show me. I the was bug I up. was passing off
0: a league see, see, promo to you. Usually, that I, was beautiful.
1: Usually, I start off with the with with the with the housekeeping, and then I yeah I stumble over my words a little bit. Cause no, I really wanted cool.
0: to I wanted to take the burden for once.
1: And Law just goes like, hold on, while I make it sound so fucking good? <laughs> I got you, babe.
0: <clears throat> and now I feel like now hmm. no, I'm
1: succincty. You are very succinct, and you also know how to organize a thought.
0: I really—I mean, it's—it's it's all coincidence. I swear to God, it's just like pistons colliding in here, and somehow something tangible comes out because this is just a mess. I have no—I have no agency in what's going on right here.
1: That's fair. That's fair. Um, no, I mean, I think you pretty much covered everything. Uh, if you like League of Ultimate, or if you like D Twenty Questions, you'll definitely like League of Ultimate Questing, where Law is literally the greatest goddamn GM in the entire world. Um, we've talked about luck way more in this session than I think we ever have on d20 also no
0: one podcasting listening out there can see how much I roll my eyes when people try to give me compliments but it's just they're just back there
1: (laughs) he rolls his eyes enough for his head to fucking wobble like a weeble it's ridiculous I I thought they were going to get stuck at some point it's terrible Um, but yeah no I I think this has been a fantastic episode and uh, if you like this stuff please subscribe and help and do all that good sweet beautiful shit we need your goddamn support this is episode what six seven five three eight um but we're new and if we don't have any support from you guys if you like it and you're not sharing it with your friends you're You're stealing stealing from us. us
0: yeah what the hell yeah what the jesus okay jesus (laughs)
1: huckleberry christ (laughs) (laughs) but seriously it's like i mean this is the only way you can pay us if you can't go to patreon if you don't if you're not willing to whip out the wallet and throw down three bucks you can listen to d21 sides at the very least find a friend grab him by the lapels stick your fucking earbuds in his ears and say listen to this goddamn shit because we're good we deserve it nice
2: Not to chew my own horn or anything.
1: (laughs) Not to chew my own horn or anything. (laughs) We're we're sure working hard either way. We're doing our best. We're doing our best. And if you don't like it, well,
0: tell us why. We just want to make you happy. I want to make you happy. (laughs) I love you.